I am your host, Richard Cohn, and today I have the pleasure of introducing you to our guest, C. James Jensen. Uh, Jim, as, uh, as I know him, uh, is the author of Expand the Power of Your Subconscious Mind. And everything about Jim uh, is humility. He is a very humble man, yet his resume reads like someone from who's who in the world of business and leadership and life. A little about his background. Jim began his career as a salesman with Encyclopedia Britannica in his senior year of college. And within seven years, he had become the international sales manager in charge of worldwide sales. At the age of 28, he became senior vice president and CEO of Great Books of the Western World, which was the division of Encyclopedia Britannica. And in that same year, which was 1969, Jim and his wife, Jerry, attended a four-day seminar that would have an incredible impact on their lives forever. Jim has been a voracious student and ultimately the teacher of many of the principles that he talks about in his book, Expand the Power of Your Subconscious Mind. Among other things, Jim also became president and CEO of two additional companies that each became the leading company within its respective industry. Um, one of those companies uh, was headquartered here in Portland, Oregon, and it was a furniture rental company that became the largest in its industry. I know a little about it because at the same time that Jim was doing that, I was working in a family furniture business, retail business, which had become the largest of its kind in the state of Oregon as well. Today, Jim provides executive coaching, consulting, and advisory services to emerging growth and mid-sized companies. He is an active member of the world's president's organization, serves as a life director of the Institute of Noetic Sciences, headquartered in Petaluma, California, and he's also a member of the board of directors as well as the chairman of the executive committee of the board of Aspen Group, Inc. So, Jim, uh, again, it is a pleasure to welcome you, uh, and I know that our listeners are going to be uh, enlightened, impressed, and empowered by what you have to say. Thank you, Richard. It's my pleasure to be on your broadcast today, and I <clears throat> so much enjoy my relationship and affiliation with you, your bride, and your company, all great people. Thank you very much. Um, it, it has been very, very interesting for us to spend the time with you as you developed the book. And in the book, Expand the Power of Your Subconscious Mind, I think one of the, the key areas is that you talk about three areas of the mind, the conscious, the subconscious, and the supraconscious. Would you elaborate just a little on how each of these functions and how they function and if they work together? Well, Richard, that's a great lead question to our broadcast today because it's so essential and so important, and yet so much of this is unfortunately still not taught in our educational system. 
I think all the listeners are well aware of the conscious mind. That's the one that is doing all the thinking, uh, listening to the show right now, uh, analyzing with their own self-talk what they think about this, what they're going to do the rest of the day, where they're going to go to <clears throat> dinner tonight, and that's just the conscious area of the mind. The subconscious is the one that even in our schools today is predominantly taught that handles our bodily functions. It grows our hair, grows our nails, digests our food, heals a wound. But what is not taught generally is that the subconscious is also a servo mechanism that works 24-7 on behalf of the conscious area of the mind, carrying out the instructions given to it by the conscious area. And it will work just as hard to achieve a negative result as it will a positive result. And we have this phenomenal, phenomenal tool in the subconscious that which we that once we learn how it works and how to use it just enhances substantially the performance in every area of our life. In the book, Dr. Mur Murphy uses a good example between the conscious and the subconscious and says to visualize an ocean liner going across the sea. And the conscious area of the mind would be like the captain up in the helm of the ship barking out signals to the crew, full speed ahead, port starboard, 10 degrees north, whatever. And the crew is down in the hold of the ship, below the water level, can't even see where the ship is going, but they simply respond, aye, aye, sir, and carry out the orders precisely, not caring whether they run the ship into the rocks, hit another vessel, or get it safely to its destination. So once we understand this relationship and we realize we have this servo mechanism that works 24-7, carrying out the instructions given to it, positive or negative, by the conscious area of the mind, we, become, we can become more attentive to what we're saying to ourselves, what we're saying to others. If we find ourselves saying, why is it? I always get so nervous when I get up in front of a group and the, to speak, and the subconscious says, hey, boss, we got it. We'll make sure you do. Well, if that's not what we want, we can change that self-talk, and we'll get into this when we talk about affirmations, but uh, it might be, oh, wait a minute, time out. I used to get nervous when I speak in front of a group, but now I feel very confident, I'm very relaxed, and I do a really great job when speaking in front of groups. So we re-instruct the subconscious to change the performance that we desire. Now let's just talk briefly about the supraconscious, because this is really not delved in the portion that Dr. Murphy created in 1963, one of the reasons we felt there was a great opportunity to bring his teachings into the 21st century with the book uh, that you hold in your hand, Expand the Power of Your Subconscious Mind. And the supraconscious is the third area of the mind that seems to have access to all knowledge and all information in the universe. And an example of how that works, you say, well, how, you know, how could we possibly have that? Well, we've all had this experience where maybe we've been working hard to try to solve a particular problem, 
we find ourselves coming up over and over with the same probable answers, but they're not what we're looking for, and we're getting frustrated. But it's very important that we solve this particular problem. So maybe we're out doing something else. We're going for a walk. We're playing golf. And, wow, we get this big flash, blinding flash of the obvious. And it's the perfect answer. We weren't thinking about the problem. We weren't, have we, and that's an important part of this step, which is outlined in the, in the book, and I'll give you that very briefly. But we get this answer, and it's a total, total answer. And we'll even say with our own self-talk, gosh, why didn't I think of that? You know? And uh, so the, the three steps of uh, accessing, uh, 90%, 95% of the problems that we work on will solve between the conscious and the subconscious. We identify the problem. We gather potential solutions to the problem, and we then usually find one that is our solution. But when we find ourselves re- repeating potential solutions in frustration, we say, you know, I'm going to turn this over to the supraconscious once we know how this works. So we turn it over to the supraconscious with clear instructions of what the problem or whatever it is we're working on, the information that we need. And then here is the fifth step that a lot of people miss, and this is all in the book. We get busy doing something else. We don't take the problem back. Because the supraconscious cannot work on what it is we want it to work on if the conscious mind remains active with that particular thing. Let me just give one example and then we'll move on uh, of where all of our listeners have probably had this experience with the supraconscious. Let's say we're going on a trip uh, tomorrow morning. We normally get up at 6 in the morning, but tomorrow we've got to get up at 4 a.m. because we have an early morning flight. We don't necessarily go to bed earlier. We may go to bed later because we're doing last-minute packing and da-da-da-da-da-da-da. But it's so important. We keep telling ourselves over and over that we wake up at exactly 4 o'clock. We set our alarm that we might even call the person we're traveling with and say, uh, Richard, would you please call me at 4 in the morning? I just want to make sure I don't oversleep. You see, I got that. We're sound asleep. The room is dark. And boom, we wake up with a start. There's not a sound in the room. It's black. We lean over to look at the alarm clock as the minute hand is going from 3.59 to 4. And the alarm goes up. The phone rings. But what woke us up? The supraconscious. So we have this incredible source of powers that will work for us once we learn their functionality and then we learn how to use them. And thus that explains the title of the book, Expand the power of your subconscious mind. It's, uh, it leads me to, to believe that one of the important elements in all of this is also trust because it's one thing to say that we can access the superconscious mind. However, it's another uh, to fully trust that it'll always work for us. And I'm sure, as you've noted throughout your experience in life, um, it's something that once you've, once you've had the experience of it happening for you, it's much easier then to trust that it will happen again. Well, that's true, and I don't think we want to make any life-threatening uh, uh, decisions the first time we use the subconscious. <clears throat> but uh, the way I think it's important for the audience to know the history of how powerful 
Dr. Murphy's book was written in 1963. And you had mentioned uh, at the opening here my background uh, with Encyclopedia Britannica and how at the age of 27 I was placed in charge of worldwide sales. And people would always say, Jim, what do you attribute to your success? And I just use a bunch of ad- adjectives. Oh, I'm a hard worker. You know, I'm very enthusiastic. I'm very positive. But I never gave them anything that I really thought was of value to them. And all of our friends from Seattle, when we were living in Sydney, Australia, said, you've got to go through this four-day seminar called Omega. I said, well, <clears throat> you know, when we get back to the United States, we'll do that. And we came back in 1969. In October, my wife and I flew to San Diego to attend a four-day seminar taught by the founder of the company Omega. And uh, I-, I was just baffled for the first time, I had a toolkit to understand performance and something that I could share with others when they asked me questions about performance. And I went up to the seminar leader, John Boyle, who owned this particular seminar, at the end of this four days and affectionately poked him on the chest. I said, John, someday I'm going to teach your seminar and someday I'm going to own your company. And he's looking at me like the 27-year-old kid, right kid, you know. But those things did come to pass. And the whole time that I was continuing to work with this information, I used to ask John Boyle, where did you learn all this? And all he told me was he had studied with somebody by the name of Dr. Joseph Murphy. He didn't tell me he had written a book. And remember, this book was written in 1963. There were no computers online, services, Google, I mean, nothing that anybody could go check that out. And it wasn't until 2004, one of the employees in the company I was working with in Santa Fe, New Mexico, came into my office. He said, Jim, I've heard you speak, and I think you might like this book, and he put it on the desk, and it was The Power of Your Subconscious Mind by Dr. Joseph Murphy. I thought, could this be the same Joseph Murphy? And, in fact, it was. And the book is so powerful. And our book uh, is in two parts. The first part continues or completes the and and has the entire work of Dr. Joseph Murphy's book. And then the second part is what's happened since he wrote his book in 1963 in this field of study and all the other incredible people that have contributed to this and the opportunity to bring Dr. Murphy's book into the 21st century, thus the title, Expand the Power of Your Subconscious Mind. I think for our listeners, if when they can get a copy of your book, and it's available uh, through Beyond Words Publishing, it's available on Amazon and in major bookstores across the country, uh, they will... They'll have a a Bible of information that can help them as they help to re-instruct the subconscious in their own mind and be able to really not be at the effect of life. Uh, I think what you've talked about is that we literally create our own reality through conscious intent. And, of course, that can be positive or it can be negative as well. But 
so many people feel that in life they are uh, waking up each morning and they don't know what's on their plate that day and they are reacting to life. They're putting out fires. They're doing whatever comes to them without realizing that they can, as you've discussed, literally create their own reality. Would you elaborate a little on that, Jim? Well, yes. Uh, and so many of the books written on performance uh, have to do with work, with making money, you know, how can I be more effective in my work? And, and it's very kind of work, goal-oriented, related. But these principles are effective in every area of our lives, in how we manage relationships, not only with our spouse or significant other, but with everybody. How we, our effectiveness as a parent. My wife, Jerry, and I were so blessed, even though we got married five years before we attended this Omega seminar and learned, started learning the works of Dr. Murphy, uh, we had not yet had any children. And when we went through this, it just enhanced substantially our effectiveness as parents and the importance of the data input that we give to children, especially young children. You know, when you hear a parent say to you know, a young seven, eight-year-old kid, you know, you're just exactly like your brother. He was lousy in math, too. Boy, you guys are just terrible in math. Well, it isn't the intent of the adult saying that to make the poor little kid think, you know, for the rest of his life he's poor in math, but that early data input to children, this is good, this is bad, this is right, this is wrong, you know, is so significant. And we were studying this material on a daily basis, still do, and we were so blessed that when our children came into the world, we were able to create an environment of trust, of confidence, of belief, and and now our children are a little bit further down the line in childhood. They're 50, 51, and 45 years old, and one that's in his late 30s. And uh, it's been so effective for them and it's fun for me and my wife, Jerry, to watch them pass along the same learning environment in their own families with the children that they have. So, again, for the listeners, really think of this whole thing related to performance in any and all areas of your life. Very significant. That's really wonderful counsel and wonderful advice. And. I know I remember back uh, my father telling me something just without really consciously thinking uh, that would have adversely influenced me if I had taken it into my uh, subconscious and and then lived my life consciously from that. Uh, so it is very, very helpful, and I think, uh, you know, so many people in today's world, Jim, have challenges around uh, combining work and uh, family issues and, and societal issues. Well, thank you, Richard. And I think, you know, prior to learning this material, uh, like so many others, uh, if, if people asked about informants or productivity, 
<clears throat> it was usually related to work or achievement, uh, maybe in a particular sport, athletics. Uh, but I didn't really use this kind of data to enhance the overall quality of my life. And I have found the teachings and the tools provided in our book to be extremely helpful in managing personal health, in how to accelerate a healing if we had a setback with a disease or with an injury or a surgery or whatever, and I have been able to do that very effectively, more effectively than before I learned this material. So remember, the conscious mind gives instructions to the subconscious. And if the conscious mind is saying, oh, I'm in so much pain, I'm in so much pain, this particular thing is taking so long to heal, so long to heal, the subconscious, like the crew on the ship, says, aye, aye, sir, we got it. We'll make sure that's what happens. So what, what happens here is we become much more aware of our self-talk. Most people are not consciously aware that we talk to ourselves all day long at the rate of 150 to 300 words a minute, over 50,000 thoughts a day. Our listeners right now, in addition to processing what they like about what we're talking about, what maybe they don't agree with, are also thinking, what am I going to do later? Gosh, I've got that thing i got to go do today, and oh, tonight, da-da-da-da-da-da-da, and all this stuff that goes on all day long. And that is what we call self-talk. So once we understand the mechanics of performance that are so well illustrated in our book, we become more consciously aware of what we are saying to ourselves. So if we find ourselves saying something like, gosh, I don't know why it is, I just am terrible at remembering names. We say, wait a minute, time out, stop, cancel. I used to not be able to do well in remembering names, but now every day I'm getting better and better in all memory elements of my life, and especially as it comes to remembering names. So we reprogram the subconscious. Remember, it is totally non-judgmental. But it's a servo mechanism that works on our behalf 24-7. So we now put in new data, and this can lead to a further discussion about affirmations, Richard. But we put in new data, and the subconscious says, okay, got it, got it, got it. Yep, we'll work on that that way. So this almost sounds, you know, like, are you sure this is all real? Well, it's very, very, very real. And there are millions of people throughout the world who have learned this information and attribute so much of their achievements, again, not just in work, but in all areas of their life, based on the mechanics of how performance really works and the tools that are all part of who we are. What occurs to me is that when... And when an individual becomes aware of this self-talk, of, of what they are saying, and in turn they see results based on that self-talk because their life unfolds in the way that is 
congruent with everything that they're uh, that they're talking about. Uh, and then they make a change and start to reprogram what they are thinking, what they are saying. In in your experience in business, uh, watching employees or in life, in relationships, uh, is have you found that uh, let's let's say in a relationship where um, where the husband comes to this realization and and reprograms and reinvents reinstructs his subconscious mind, but if his wife or partner does not do so, um, it, it, does this create an area of conflict between people, or is there a, a way that you've learned uh, that you can? bypass that and help instruct without trying to run somebody's life? Well, again, that's a great question, and we're not trying to run someone else's life. We respect their choice of who they are, what they want to be, and we can determine uh, if we want that particular uh, person and their mindset to be part of our relationship. But that's why it's so great in relationships, uh, not only uh, – family relationships or marriage or whatever, but business relationships, that the more we can expand the knowledge of the other individual or individuals with these teachings, the more we can work together. So once I was exposed to the teachings through Omega Seminars of this, we developed methods to bring these teachings in-house in the companies that I was CEO of. And we didn't make it mandatory that people went through these teachings. We just said, here's an additional employee benefit. And we had people, we had two or three ladies at Grand Prix Furniture Rental who full-time job was to go around to our different locations and provide this teaching to those who wanted to learn it. And we'd say, listen, we love you unconditionally just the way you are or you wouldn't be here with us. But uh, if you would like to take advantage of the employee benefits that we provide, one of which were these teachings, you can come and do this on your work time. And we, the testimonials, Richard, that we received back from employees and how it's helped in their relationships, their relationships with their children, uh, their activity in sports, their personal health, all elements of their life has been very fulfilling. And I have felt that there's a shift occurring where the opportunity for people in positions of leadership is to help make, in this case, let's say better employees, better people out of their employees rather than just better employees in the workforce. So it's an expand. and by the way, if people said, gee, I don't really want to go through that, we'd say, great, we love you unconditionally, just the way you are, you know. So the teachings are very, very powerful, but they do uh, transcend not just relationships, but <clears throat> virtually all areas of our life. And and uh, the, the number of testimonies, uh, testimonials that people have provided, we had a 25-year reunion for all the, many of the, people in our furniture rental business, and we had it in Las Vegas, the volunteering of people getting up talking about 
how what they learned in this subject had such a powerful influence in so many different areas of their life. That is uh, really having having that level of testimonial is is really amazing because it then shows those who might be doubters that well maybe this does work maybe I should try it maybe uh, there is something to all of this. You had uh, mentioned the word affirmation a little earlier, and I'd like to uh, to talk a little more about affirmations and how you use them and how people uh, perhaps don't use them the way that they can the most effective way. Well, I'd be delighted, I'm delighted to, and we define affirmations as a statement of fact or belief that tends to lead us toward the end result that we expect, which could be positive or negative. And we teach the affirmation process in the book, which I will uh, share with our listeners today. Uh, and so many people I have heard say, gosh, you know, I've tried affirmations and they just don't work for me. And I'll say, well, tell me how you use an affirmation and how it doesn't work for you. And the person might say, well, I wanted to use it to, to lose weight. I think I'm 20 pounds overweight. And so I created an affirmation. Uh, I'm not overweight. I'm not overweight. Uh, I weigh, you know, the statement, 20 pounds less. And that's it. And I said, is that all you do? Yep, I just say it over and over several times a day, but it didn't work. I'd say, well, you're missing part two and part three of what makes affirmations work. So step one is you develop a statement, a fact or belief of the end result that you want to bring about in this particular area of change or growth in your life. And let me use an example that I personally experienced, and I just happen to use the randomly the the experience of weight loss, but there was a time when I had kind of added a few pounds and my physician friend said, you know, Jim, it might be great if you lost 25 pounds. The scale showed that my body weighed 225 pounds at that time. And I saw the value in that and I said, you know, I'm going to make that change. Absolutely. So I developed an affirmation in the first person present tense, and it's important that we state it as though it's already happened, not I am going to. But my affirmation was, I look good and feel good at 200 pounds. Now, the reality was if I stepped on the scale at that point, it showed I weighed 225, but I'm resetting, I'm setting a goal to weigh 200 pounds. Now, if that was the extent of my affirmation and all I did was say that every day, I look good and feel good at 200 pounds, and that I don't lose the weight, I'd say, well, affirmations don't work for me. Well, I'd be missing steps two and three. So step one is to make the statement as though it's already occurred, I look good and feel good at 200 pounds. Then step two is the visualization process of what it looks like having achieved that goal. And I would see myself, after stating the affirmation, I look good and feel good at 200 pounds, walking into the office in my new suit and my fellow employee saying, Jim, 
You look so great since you've lost all that weight. And then step three is the feelings that go with having achieved that particular goal. And I'd feel so good that I had achieved this objective. So step one is to define first-person present tense, what it is we want to achieve. Two is to create visualization or visualizations. It could be several different visualizations. And then step three is to feel. All of that records in the subconscious area of the mind. And by the way, it's all outlined in detail in our book, Expand the Power of Your Subconscious Mind. You know, that is really a very clear and, and powerful description of a process that, that actually does work. I, I had something similar. Uh, there was a time when uh, we, in our publishing company, we had a lot of debt, and I wasn't sure how we were going to uh, pay those, those bills. And so I, I stated that the affirmation in the present tense uh, that I, I think I said, uh, did, you, did you hear what or did you see what has happened here in the company? We received a huge check, and it allowed us to have a very large cash reserve. I am thrilled that we now can pay all our bills. And then I visualized, I saw myself writing out the checks to everyone that we owed money to. And the feeling inside was so powerful because I I believe fully in integrity and it allowed me to be in a space of honoring the relationships that I had with people to whom we owed money and that now I could see how happy they were in receiving the checks and how happy we were to be out of debt. Richard, that's, that's, a, similar that's, to a, what great, described. that's a great story. Um, and it actually happened. <laughs> so for any of our listeners who find themselves in challenging situations, and not knowing what tools to use. Uh, again, uh, Jim's book is, is amazing. It's just filled with tools like this that you can use because an affirmation uh, is really a, a, a valuable, valuable tool. And, and, and thank you, Jim, for, for sharing that. Well, and Richard, let me share with our audience if they want to Following our program today, uh, learn more about this. I invite them to go to my website, which is simply my name in all lowercase letters, C. James Jensen, J-E-N-S-E-N, dot com. And there are testimonials. There's other information. Uh, and the listeners, I think, would, if they're wanting or deciding whether they want to purchase the book or not, I think they'd get additional information leading to their decision to do so or not to do so. And, Jim, you do public speaking as well to companies, um, and 
is this something where people, by going to your website, they can be in touch with you personally to see if they want to have some have you come? Absolutely. In fact, there's a segment in the website of my performance to all of the employees and salespeople for Apollo Ono, the world-famous speed skater, for his Canadian operation. It's a worldwide organization, but I was their keynote speaker. All of that was uh, recorded and televised or filmed, and it's also part of what's on, on the website. And, yes, I do a lot of work inside companies uh, for either conferences for various organizations or coming in-house to speak to the uh, whole management team or the management team and employees. And uh, right now that has to be through Zoom or some other mechanism because it's a little difficult rounding up people <laughs> in large <laughs> groups in one room. But I'm looking forward to being able to return to that, and, and I quite enjoy it. And it's, I think, beneficial to the participants in the group. There is one word in the English language that you would like to see removed, uh, and that's the word can't. Would you like to elaborate a little on that? Well, again, uh, it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. Uh, you said the word can't. Is that correct? Yes, I did. Okay, so either I am able or I'm not able. And, again, if you say I can't do this, it may or may not in reality be true, but it certainly becomes true in the mind of the subconscious. <clears throat> and again, they say, got it, boss. Uh, we'll make sure that you can't. So, you know, it, it doesn't mean we're going to go and put a plank across two rooftops of 50 stories and say, I can walk this uh, and jump up and down and have no fear. I mean, that would be <laughs> a pretty challenging assignment. So we want to, you know, uh, have some realism in what we do here. Uh, but I think, again, the key is to take away from this conversation today that we have built within us a toolkit that can help and will bring about change in every area of our life, any area of our life. So the word can't. Uh, is just one that, you know, let's forget it. Let's get rid of it. We don't need it. And and uh, it doesn't mean that we would necessarily choose to do something that might, you know, uh, be pretty improbable, like I'm going to walk across the ocean. You know, I don't think that's one I would work on. But I don't have to tell myself I can't. I'll just go down. I'll just go to a different subject. And uh, And I think, you know, fear is also something that gets in the way of a lot of people from choosing to take a step in another direction. And I have a little placard on my dresser that has the word fear, F-E-A-R, and then underneath it says false expectations appearing real. And I think the more we have the opportunity to not let fear come in and dominate uh, our thinking, our achievements, our goal setting. I mean, what? What are you afraid of? You're going to make a mistake? Well, uh, I, I have fun with the word mistake. It's a mistake. And we've all seen, you know, in movies, the outtakes at the end of the movie 
where the actors like really screwed up, you know, in one particular scene or made a mistake or whatever, and the audience just laughs like crazy. But who laughs the hardest? The actor who created these scenes. They just laugh like it was just a mistake. So what does the producer say? Take two, take three, and it was just a mistake. So we shouldn't take mistakes and incorporate them as the worst thing that ever happened. How could we be so dumb? How could we be so stupid? Because the problem, when we ask ourselves those questions, we go on to answer them. <laughs> well, the reason I can't do that, nobody in our family has ever been able to do that. You know, I'm just lousy at the math or da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. And it, it gets back to self-talk. So I think that uh, fear, I guess I'd say one other thing, fear and mistake. And when is the only time there is? The only time there is, is now. So there was a past. There may be a future, but when that time comes, it will be now. And I think the more we can expand our consciousness to live in the nowness and not be criticizing ourselves for something we did a day ago, a week ago, a year ago, ten years ago, that, you know, that's in, that, that's in the past. And the way that we can enhance the quality and probability of our future nows being what we want them is to make sure that we language things appropriately in our conscious being, that the subconscious knows where we're going with that. And and uh, But a lot of people <clears throat> spend little, you know, very little time being here now because they're either lamenting over something they did in the past and regretting or being afraid of something that may may or may not happen tomorrow, and to the extent they're distracted from the nowness, it interferes with their ability to perform as how they are already really created, and and it's again all of what this book is totally about. In the book, uh, you talk about how when we realize our true self is often radically different than our own self perception. And it is when we have that realization that then we can grow. Uh, how can people liberate themselves from these limiting beliefs? Well, <clears throat> I think a good affirmation, <clears throat> excuse me, that everybody could benefit from is simply the affirmation, I love myself unconditionally. And unconditionally we use for emphasis, you know. But I love myself unconditionally. And then we visualize all the areas that we see ourselves coming home and our children running up and saying, hi, Daddy, hi, Mommy, throwing their arms around us. Or we visualize ourselves having just achieved some athletic performance. Or we visualize ourselves having just done something wonderful in the workplace and reinforcing our self-concept that I love myself unconditionally. And again, within the visualization, supporting that particular affirmation and the feelings associated with it. The second affirmation that we teach, that's number one. The second one is I have unconditional warm regards for all people at all times. Now, the word all is for emphasis. 
certainly a psychopath or, you know, somebody that da, 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 uh, we wouldn't necessarily love that. But it's to enhance relationships in our lives so that we look for the wonderful things in the people we're working with and we're not looking just for the things that they don't do well in or they don't achieve in or an opportunity to criticize them. That's not loving people unconditionally. So they all go hand in hand, and it's just it's just an awakening process. Remember, we are already just fantastic. And we came into the world, we had teachers, predominantly our parents, that we got into school, older siblings, that handed down data to us, much of which they probably got from their own parents. And as we grow along the timeline of life, much of that data is either outdated, it's not true, and we just need to have a clearing plate. You know, the very last chapter in the book is called Moving On, an Invitation to the Path of Enlightenment. And Lao Tzu, the Chinese philosopher, says in the process of growing, something is added on every day. In the process of enlightenment, something is taken away every day. And what are those things we may have been carrying around for a long time that no longer serve us well? Let's just, boom, throw them away. Well, I want to thank you so much, Jim, and on behalf of our listeners to express gratitude for you being here today. Um, and you, you really do provide a wonderful toolkit uh, inside to bring about change in every aspect of our lives. And your book is amazing, Expand the Power of Your Subconscious Mind. And you are a, a very gracious guest, and you've provided wisdom that everyone can gain. Thank you again for being with us today. Well, thank you, Richard. The privilege was mine, and uh, God bless all of our listeners. Uh, it was fun to be here, and we certainly hope you got some benefits of what we talked about today. And and I love all of you unconditionally. <laughs> so have a great life, and thank you again, Richard, for your hosting and everything that Beyond Words does for us. We're very fortunate to have that relationship. You're most welcome. <laughs>